we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Well, here we are again, our illustrious president uh, speaking out of both sides of his mouth, and as most of us can surmise, it doesn't. It's doubtful that uh, he even knows it. But our illustrious president has now sued himself. That's basically what uh, the latest is in the insane world of American politics. Jordan, what did you find last week? So yeah, so there's a interesting. I'm not a big fan of the EEOC, but it's the Equal Employment Opportunity uh, Commission in a sense. Uh, it is a um, federal uh, do, do-gooder do body that pays for people that are fired to uh, have an, an, a lawyer fight their employer if they felt that they were fired unduly for things like discrimination or other things like that. And this one actually kind of surprised me is the EEOC sues Hanks Furniture for religious discrimination. It's a Florida furniture store fired an assistant manager for refusing to violate her sincerely held religious beliefs uh, related to the COVID-19 vaccine. So it's kind of funny when you think about it here that uh, this would be called Biden v. Biden. So. The uh, other articles associated with it are nearly two years after President Biden accused the Supreme Court of endangering lives by blocking his COVID-19 vaccine mandate on large employers. His own administration has joined a litigation barrage against employers mandating the shot. So very interesting that President Biden is the one that basically told employers that they need to do this and that he was upset that if the Supreme Court knocked this down, that without getting this vaccine, uh, people were going to die. But now his Equal Opportunity Employment Commission has sued these employers, including United Health Services and Hanks Furniture, uh, for refusing to honor requests for religious accommodations from their COVID mandates, a rare step for the agency, and its first litigation ever on the subject, according to Bloomberg Law. The lawsuits are silent on the role that Biden's September 2021 executive order, which required vaccines for large employers, may have placed in the alleged played in the alleged violation. An agency spokesperson citing ongoing litigation declined to comment on whether EEOC was cleaning up a mess that the president made. In addition, the timing is embarrassing for the Department of Defense, which committed the same alleged violations against thousands of service members who sought religious accommodation from the DOD's mandate. So it's kind of funny. It's like if I was the employer, I'd be pretty mad. I had somebody tell me, um, again, I didn't think it was right, but they had a president from his bully pulpit say that this needs to be done or people die. They did it. And now they're being sued by the same person that told them to do it. Yep. That's uh, the insane world that we're in now. And somehow the lawyers and sure we'll find a way to uh, make sense of it. But uh, from the beginning, uh, none of it has made sense regarding the mandate of the vaccines. Uh, And thankfully, an organization out of California, uh, their case was heard heard, and the state of California withdrew their law that they passed 
haphazardly and um, illegally that uh, required the vaccine mandates and other ridiculous things by that awful governor over there. And uh, they won their case, and the law was removed. But what is so amazing is all of this could have been avoided. And it could have been avoided for many reasons, but if they would have paid attention to their own rules. And what I mean by that is, as a refresher, back in June of 21, there was an article, um, no, in June of 20, the New England Journal wrote an article, it was a two or three page article, two to three page article, and they said, uh, here are the six criteria that must be met in order to consider mandating the vaccines. Overarching all six of them was the absolute necessity for informed consent. And then this was put out in June and then approved October the 7th of 2020 before the vaccines came out with an unedited edition, I mean version. In other words, they put it for public uh, response and three or four months later, they uh, publish it as their official statement. New England Journal of Medicine. And needless to say, when they mandated these shots in 2021, um, they hadn't been met. And in, and we've never seen the informed consent, the overarching principle being met about these shots. But they don't care. They'll just keep hurting people and killing people. and. Uh, They'll show us who's in charge to the death of millions. Uh, it's, uh, it's the biggest cat- catastrophe in our country's history, I believe. Yeah, again, I think it's, it just goes to show you that, I mean, at the, the other thing is that the base was a faulty argument to begin with. So, again, and that argument's still being um, promulgated. I mean, it doesn't make it right at all, but the fact that uh, these things don't prevent uh, transmission, they don't prevent infection, um, is uh, kind of instantly loses the case. The case above that um, is, you know, I think there was the Supreme Court basically kind of uh, in this thing, basically, that there's a legal case called Groff versus DeJoy that decided that the undue hardship standard that employers must meet to deny the reasonable religious accommodations request under Title VII means more than de minimis hardship. So an employer must now show substantial increased cost in relation to the conduct of its particular business before denying any accommodation. And so what that means is um, the, uh, uh, you know, again, it's, it's not just, hey, I want you to. Instead, they have to basically prove that there is a reason. Now, the interesting thing is those reasons now don't exist uh, even in the most basic of terms because the vaccine, as was known from day one, uh, is not a vaccine. Uh, it is an injection. It is main, maybe a therapeutic that is terribly Flawed. unbeneficial, right. but uh, it, is, uh, it is not a vaccine, and in, in doing so, um, the vaccine, uh, you, again, we go back to utilizing or co-opting a word to meet your uh, demands, but that's what happened. So Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, doc, um, 
Joseph Lapido, the state, the wonderful, the best state surgeon general in the country out of Florida, uh, Governor DeSantis, hand-picked expert in public health, um, has been uh, all over this. And he may, he had an interview that I will talk about later with uh, Matt Staver of Liberty Council last week, and he just knocked it out of the park. But he said it's ludicrous that we would consider a vaccine something that doesn't protect us from getting infected. Uh, I, I think that's a pretty good summary of all this. Uh, the other thing about this is, it's uh, interesting, is Hank's Furniture. I bet Hank's Furniture doesn't have much... Uh, well, not only that, it's in Florida, and this EEOC, uh, uh, the office that they're using is out of Birmingham, so it's kind of yeah. even funnier. Yeah, um, so this is right right close to home, so you'd think it would be some place up in um, you know, our neighbors to the north. But the other thing was, it says, the agency appears to have a plenty of relevant complaints from workers. It saw a dramatic increase in religious charges in the 2022 fiscal year with 13,814 complaints compared to just 2000 charges filed in 2021. And so, and it's prompted largely by an uptick in vaccine related religious charges. So I don't know, what is that? 500 now that's like, yeah, it's, it is a 700% or 650% yeah. increase in uh, complaints. So again, goes to, it's like VAERS, uh, where you all of a sudden see a huge increase, you you say, hmm, there must be something going on here. But what that means is there's at least 13,814 people that feel that they have been forced or fired or uh, discriminated against because of, um, because of the COVID vaccine, which is, again, goes back to supposedly the most, uh, the least divisive president of all time, correct? Um, right. Seems to uh, be making things divisive in the workplace. Yeah, you know, just as long as they get their way. It reminds me, in basic training in the Army, there was a kid out of West Virginia who was just, he was a really sad uh, soldier. And finally, the in order to help everybody understand what leadership looks like, the drill sergeant made him in charge for a couple of days. And this kid took all the uh, latitude he could, because now that he had the... Uh, the title, he sadly abused it with uh, ridiculous requests of everybody else. And the lesson that we learned was uh, bad leadership uh, causes, uh, looks um, really odd and easy to spot, easy to see. And that's the same principle here. These fools in charge of us doing so much damage to our culture. they don't care. They clearly have this myopic view that what they say should be the law and should be that of God. Uh, it is not, and it never will be, but uh, so many millions are going to be injured by them. It kind of reminds me of uh, last week, uh, our illustrious former Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton said that those of us who uh, don't think like her, you know, the deplorables, uh, should be reindoctrinated. Uh, we should be going to camps, and uh, I'm sure next week Snopes will uh, wipe all of the uh, wipe that from the, the the history of what actually happened. But um, these people, their leadership is something to behold because everybody can learn from it. 
they are so evil and wrong and have done such damage and, and death that uh, there needs to be an accounting. And uh, thankfully, the large majority of Americans are in agreement with us. Yeah, that's that's true on every every facet here. Um, lastly, I think um, the uh, the wins, at least that you we were you sent me an article about some wins, at least in the California world, in terms of getting that knocked down, was a huge thing. So that um, state bill that basically required doctors to uh, follow the party line at the expense of being honest with their patients uh, was a huge win. Uh, but it's not over. I mean, again, right. uh, some of these things are continuing to percolate. But it was funny that the uh, adjustment of the bill um, allowed for uh, even, uh, I think, uh, Gavin Newsom signed off on it, probably because he has presidential aspirations. But, um, you know, I doubt that no, is something no. you could. I think that uh, the Gavin Newsom model, the Hillary Clinton, Barry Hussein models of putting it in your face and grinding your uh, grinding your nose in it. That's uh, I, I doubt that uh, Gavin Newsom uh, would uh, was excited about the loss. Um, I don't think he he maneuvers at all like you and I would think a a normal politician would. I think all these people like that fool up in uh, Canada. Uh, they just want to rub our nose with it in, in it. They are they are intentionally uh, provoking us. I mean, all the lies of January sixth, uh, where no, no nobody was found with a weapon except for the security guards who murdered uh, who murdered the lady that came through the window. Uh, yeah. yeah, all of this is in your face uh, abuse. It's uh, foolish. It's tragic, and uh, there needs to be a reckoning. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that there there will be. But then again, I mean, we know that the ultimate reckoning is going to be when the Lord comes back in many ways because uh, <laughs> evil will still persist here on earth. So um, I am not hopeful of fallen man being anytime saved unless uh, saved by the real Savior, if that makes sense. So Yeah, no doubt. That is where our trust um, resides. And Fortunately, last week, the establishment was held to account in a real way when they got rid of that fool McCarthy, uh, who was just doing the bidding. You know, I, I, I found this astounding. Our debt, uh, our annual debt, we, were, we are spending $7.2 trillion and only bringing in, as a government, federal government, $5 trillion. $2.2 trillion extra dollars spent by this government that the Republicans, as they're not conservatives, but the Republicans were uh, forcing through with the Democrats, the Uniparty of Washington. And uh, finally, somebody was called to account. I can't believe that the Democrats didn't have seven or eight people to join the uh, Republicans and blocking a change from McCarthy. But I think... Uh, we're going to see a different uh, day up there, good Lord willing, because uh, there needs to be accountability in all this. Yeah, the um, the reality is, I I think uh, the 
doesn't matter what side. I think, you know, up there it's corrupt as corrupt. So, all right. Well, we will be back. There'll be a segment with me uh, and then actually a segment with Stuart uh, talking about some other things that we're doing currently. Um, so, again, this is uh, Dr. Jordan Vaughn, Dr. Stuart Tankersley with America Out Loud Pulse on iHeartRadio. Always one beat ahead. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix Rx. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix Rx is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. We are back. This is Dr. Jordan Vaughn and Dr. Stuart Tankersley here on America Out Loud Pulse. The first thing I want to do in this segment is go ahead and talk about a concept that's been, you know, there's a couple different ways to look at it. And I think a lot of people get it uh, incorrect, but at the same time, they are correct. And I think that has to do with the PCR test. So the COVID-19 PCR test is what we have used for a long time. And many people have said we have this test without isolating the virus. And in many ways, that is a correct statement. Uh, But at the same time, it's interesting to see how quickly and how haphazardly getting a test uh, to the market was uh, completed and actually uh, who, what, and how they did this. And it is a bit concerning when you think about it. So the first thing I want to do is play, uh, it's about an eight and a half minute video from uh, Dr. Deepak uh, Nadarajan. 
and he is uh, going to give kind of an in-depth explanation. It's probably one of the better uh, explanations I have heard of what went on, especially given the fact of how quickly uh, a test or a genetic sequence was uh, determined and then how quickly something was published. So uh, this is Dr. Deepak Nadezhyarian. The first coronavirus was seen by a lady, an extremely talented lady called June Hart Almeida, way back in 1966. The virus sample was sent to her by an expert in common colds called Dr. or Professor David Tyrell, who really did not expect that June Hart would be able to spot the virus, but she did. And what she saw was spherical small bits with spokes, or rather like a sun glowing. And that is why the two of them named the new virus coronavirus. Since then, we've had four coronaviruses which infect humans and cause the common cold. There are, of course, other viruses that cause common colds also. But then in 2003, we had a dangerous coronavirus emerging, which was called uh, SARS. Now, SARS caused a pneumonia, which could be fatal. Again, in 2012, we had another coronavirus called MERS, and MERS also could be fatal. Now we have the third, or rather, in fact, the seventh coronavirus, which is called coronavirus 2, because it resembles the coronavirus 1. The best way, they say, to pick up the SARS coronavirus 2 is the PCR test. The PCR test is considered the gold standard. But do you know where it was developed or when it was developed? The test to detect SARS coronavirus 2. This was in Berlin in January. The dates are interesting. On the 10th of January, the Chinese put up the genome of the new virus, of the new coronavirus. Genome means the genetic map of this virus because they had seen this virus in Wuhan. Within days, the Germans had a PCR test ready. This was presented to a journal in Europe. On the 21st of Jan, it got accepted the next day and was published on the 23rd, which is really quick for a scientific paper to be published within 48 hours. Importantly, the second author of this paper is a man called Alfred Lant. Now, Alfred Lant is not connected to any virology institution or to any medical institution. He, in fact, is the owner of a biotech company called BIT. As things developed, this PCR was uh, approved by the WHO again within days. And soon, Alfred Lant and his company were producing millions and millions of these kits, which were being in turn used by millions of people across the world. The problem is that the researchers themselves accept that they develop this test not based on actual patient specimen or on an actual virus isolate. 
they write in the introduction that in the absence of an actual specimen they relied on that genome which was put up on the internet and on artificial nuclear acid technology so i hope you get the message we have a test based on a fragment of a gene of a virus which is similar to other coronaviruses as also to SARS-1 and to the MERS virus. The similarity to SARS is almost 79% and the similarity to other beta coronaviruses, which are present in bats is to the tune of 89%. This means that simply detecting a virus fragment by the PCR test does not mean that you can exclude some other coronavirus and that's the reason you find that now we have reports that a dog has a coronavirus a cat has got COVID-19 even a tiger in New York developed COVID-19 we have reports of a goat being reported being infected by COVID-19 now this becomes a problem because I then I'm very skeptical about the reliability of the so-called gold standard PCR test. It is very difficult for me to accept the fact that every case which is positive is actually positive for this new virus. Because I strongly suspect now that the test is, addicting, is, is picking up the other coronaviruses also. So the figures are, are a bit dodgy. This becomes particularly important because we are on the brink of an economic collapse. We have to be very certain that the numbers which are being provided to us are the actual numbers, or rather they are actually cases infected by this virus. Now, what is the other way of handling the situation? I mean, in terms of diagnosis, which is, now this is what is done simply in any case, in a clinical case, supposing you get a case of a patient with flu-like symptoms, normally you run them through a virus package, which means you exclude the other viruses that produce flu-like symptoms, which means you have influenza A, you exclude influenza A, you exclude influenza B, the para-influenza virus, adenovirus, rhinovirus, the respiratory sensitive virus, and of course, you exclude the other coronaviruses. Now, I don't think that the testing we are done, that we have been doing, all these days or which has been done today was was employing a protocol where you excluded the other viruses now that is very important as you can see now because the man whom you picked up as positive probably could be having a coronavirus which is distinct or rather separate from what you are claiming it to be this is very important this is an important message for everyone that the RT-PCR, although considered a gold standard, was developed within days of a genome appearing, being put up by the Chinese. This test was presented to the WHO, which promptly approved it, despite the fact that one of the authors, in fact, the second author, which is almost a leading author, is 
now making the same virus. There is obviously a huge conflict of interest over here, but which has been overlooked by almost everyone across the world. So the next time somebody says that so-and-so is uh, COVID-19 positive, well, you can take that with some pinch of salt. It is not essential that the man actually has the SARS coronavirus too. Also remember, whichever test they employ, it does not have 100% accuracy. You see, the sensitivity can range as also the specificity can range, which means that you can have true positives and you can also have true negatives. But above all, the biggest problem is that we have a rather shaky PCR test. Thank you very much. So this is a good example of um, what was going on originally. So I will tell you that it is likely that the current test, at least, hopefully has been rectified uh, to where the genome or the genetic material that's being looked for is much more sensitive and specific. And that is, again, just hopeful. But this gives you an idea of why people in the original state um, were correct in the fact that the test itself was very unreliable. It's probably one of the reasons that these tests were also uh, not given authorization. I think it was in 20, into 2021 when they were kind of removed from the market. But a lot of people saying that the PCR test for coronavirus uh, picked up a lot of extra stuff that wasn't necessarily um, true COVID-19. I think this is the best explanation of why they were actually correct. And um, meaning the people that uh, questioned the uh, validity of these tests, because the tests themselves were kind of a, a shotgun approach. It's very quick. Uh, it uh, targeted a lot of extra genes uh, that may have been uh, synonymous with other coronaviruses. Now, again, going back <laughs> If you are targeting parts of coronavirus as your acceptance of positive, uh, the genetic material being very similar to regular coronaviruses uh, that are a third of what we would call the common cold uh, makes it where uh, there's a lot of people that have had a positive test, uh, but may not necessarily have had uh, COVID-19 in the actual form. And so I think that is uh, one of the important things I wanted to uh, make clear. The uh, unique way that Dr. Deepak basically went through this allows you to kind of understand why uh, the test could be so faulty originally. And the reason was is because they basically utilized a genetic code that was sent to them from the Chinese, uh, but also in the context that coronaviruses aren't new. Uh, coronaviruses uh, go all the way back uh, probably to many, probably to the beginning, to the fall. But in many ways, uh, they weren't recognized until the 60s and 70s when we had the ability to see viruses. Again, we've talked about this before, but uh, science, uh, what I would call the um, consensus uh, up until probably the uh, 20s and 30s, 
really didn't believe in non-visible things, and so meaning non-visible pathogens. And so we would have called them filterable pathogens, things that you can't uh, get through a, a ceramic filter uh, or that can go through a ceramic filter, sorry. But in reality, once there was recognition that there were viruses, people start to identify a lot of them. And coronaviruses had been around causing respiratory infections for a long time. Now, the two that he talked about related to the original SARS-CoV V1, SARS-CoV V1 and MERS, interesting thing about those is what they really were not transmissible human to human, usually got them from, uh, you know, basically being exposed from another species. And so that in itself is so much different than the fact that we have this new pathogen that for the most part now we pretty much know that it was uh, SARS-CoV-1 or MERS uh, manipulated in a way to make it um, acceptable for human tissue. And that is uh, why uh, when you design something, and that's where the word gain of function comes from, uh, gain of function means it has functions that it previously didn't have in nature that we add and make it more likely to infect or replicate in especially human species. Uh, that is gain of function. The gain of function is that. It is the fact that, and that's why you saw it spread uh, so quickly and rapidly. But again, I think this is just a good primer or going back to kind of the original so we don't get uh, caught up in uh, does the test itself uh, really identify COVID-19? I think uh, in the original form of the test, I think it was uh, very poor uh, and probably cross-reacted with a lot of other things, not cross-reacted, but you know, cross-identified um, other coronaviruses that were circulating. So again, this is Dr. Jordan Vaughn, Dr. Stuart Tankersley with America Out Loud Pulse, always one beat ahead. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. 
Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. In 2008, people could spend an average of 12 seconds on a task without becoming distracted. Five years later, it was only eight seconds. The digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down. Thousands of five-star reviews proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Unfortunately, there has been a dearth a lack of true leadership in public health in our country for years. And COVID has uh, exposed that. And it is very unfortunate and uh, something needs to be done. These people have got to be put in their place and a lot of their places is in jail or prison, but certainly bankrupt. And despite all of those, these... uh, Sad people that have been doing such damage, destruction, and death over the past three and a half years that have led our country, or like in Alabama, our state health officer, Dr. Scott Harris. There is a bright ray of hope in Dr. Joseph Lapido of Florida. This guy is eminently trained. He was a, uh, a tenured professor of medicine at UCLA, and then he got a call to uh, by Governor DeSantis in Florida to um, lead the effort there to get, get us out of this trap of fear that we have been uh, stuck in, this evil trap that has been foisted upon us. And Dr. Lapido was interviewed last week by none other than Matt Staver of Liberty Council, and uh, he does a wonderful job in the interview, uh, but he goes to, he talks about Dr. Lapido's uh, new book, Transcend Fear, a blueprint for mindful leadership needed in public health. 
boy, Addy, this is a uh, much needed critique. Uh, I think he got his master's of public health from Harvard, uh, but eminently qualified trained scientists. And I would like to play uh, several minutes of their discussion that um, was breathtaking in some respects. Remember earlier this year, Dr. Lapido sent a letter back to the FDA and I think the CDC saying in um, Florida, we trust science. Y'all don't. It was a a scathing three-page letter he sent to them. In this interview, he starts off with he starts off with gangbusters. Here we go. And the, it, I think the the way to think about it is to is to understand that there has been a campaign of dishonesty that has been waged continuously by the CDC and the FDA and other health officials since early on in the pandemic. It started early on with the masks and that whole ridiculous period of time we went through as a country, and it continued after that. It continued into the the COVID-19 vaccines and the mandates that came with them. And there, it was really a campaign of dishonesty with science, particularly with science about safety. There was dishonesty in terms of efficacy um, and waning efficacy and all that stuff. And at this point, actually, there are multiple studies that show that these boosters are eventually associated with an increased risk of infection. Which is ridiculous. I mean, you know, it's like it's like the CDC and the FDA, and and a lot of my colleagues, frankly. Um, did you see that in the process of your medical career? Did you see something like that forthcoming? And I want to talk about what we do about these situations now going forward. But was that something that was obvious, or did it just become manifest during COVID? Yeah, that's a really great question. So one of the um, a, a strength that I have is that I actually was a victim of the. Uh, of 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 the of the scheme, if you will, to um, to get uh, to get physicians to treat vaccines as a religion. Um, you know, I have a PhD, as you say. You know, I've done. A, I have a lot of research training. I've published a lot of papers. I've had, I think, a total of five or six NIH grants during my career as a professor. So I've you know I've had a successful career as a researcher, and so you know, so I have that training, and one. Related to what you're saying, during the pandemic, as people were literally misrepresenting science related to masking, related to the harms of isolation, and related to you know these ridiculous school closure policies, and, and not you know, not really not recognizing that or choosing not to recognize that they would have massively detrimental consequences, which which is exactly what what was, was true. So seeing all that started really my questioning and. And in one of those areas, and it's a very important area, is really in the way in the area of vaccines. Unlike other medications, I have nothing, you know, there's nothing, I have nothing for or against vaccines. And that's actually exactly the point. That's how doctors are typically trained about medications. There's not, there's nothing particularly special or there's no particular class that a medication gets beyond the fact, beyond what it does and what its risks are. You know, so there's no, there's no allegiance, if you will, to medications. We have their they have their benefits, they have their risk, we evaluate them, we make a decision. That's how it should be for everything, because that's the only way to make good decisions. But with vaccines, I was part of, of a group of professionals and students, like pretty much everywhere else in the country, that not only you know got some information about benefits and risks, but also got indoctrination about how we should think about them, about them being this universal good. And the problem with that is that you can't make 
to a decision if you're indoctrinated. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so as being a victim of indoctrination, if you will, help me be able to uh, help me experience a contrast, uh, realizing that not only is there this indoctrination going on in schools, but sadly, it's not to the benefit of people, it's to the benefit of pharmaceutical companies. So pharmaceutical companies, you get to make a drug. Doctors promote it for you, and doctors have trouble seeing clearly in terms of weighing a balance between risk and benefits to the point that you have doctors recommending healthy children take new COVID-19 vaccines. Hopefully more and more people realize that's insane. Yes, and then he goes on, they go on to talk about how there was immunity given in 1986 to these vaccines, to any vaccines that were on the schedule. No, um, nobody's held responsible for them. Um, let's just uh, give them and make millions and millions of dollars. And as uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. points out, there's no long-term, never been long-term uh, studies on them. And uh, very, very unfortunate. Um, this uh, kind of goes back to what um, a few months, uh, several months ago, there was a doctor from uh, React 19, the vaccine injury organization, and there was a Dr. Walscog on Rick and Bubba. And he gives some of the answers. And later in this interview with Matt Staber and um, Joseph Lapido, they talk about the loss of, uh, Dr. Lapido details the loss of autonomy of physicians. When we work for a hospital system, we have to do what they say or they'll fire us. That's been clear throughout the country. And, um, but Dr. Walscog, in his interview with Rick and Bubba, said the independent, quote, the independent physician who was science-based, that looked at data, who read journals, they are a thing of the past. Employers tell physicians how to practice. And he talks about, I encourage your listeners to go out and try and find independent physicians out there who can think on their own. As a physician, we are supposed to be scientists. Stay away from the corporate, corporate revenue-based medical provider. I think we're up against pure evil. Through a little bit of fear, we gave up our freedom. We gave up control. The mission statement of the FDA says they are to protect the public from drugs and medical devices. The way this thing was dealt with was anti-science. Those were several of the comments that Dr. Walscog um, he was vaccine injury. I think he was either a neurosurgeon or a orthopedist who had who had to quit his his practicing of medicine because of the injury he occurred that occurred to him from the uh, shots. And as a result of it, uh, he is now seeing clearly what has been been going on for far too long, and it's very uh, reassuring to see um, Dr. Lapido. Um, I don't know how these people um, are going to escape, um, how they can, will continue to escape uh, the investigation of who they were and what they were uh, all about and how they were able to do what, what they did to us is just the epic tragedy of our country's history, I believe. Um, uh, it's just amazing that nobody seems to be held to account. But thankfully, as we've made it noted in the past uh, several months, nobody is looking, hardly anybody is looking to take any more of these shots, even though they're being forced to, uh, a lot of people in order to keep their jobs still. But um, 
something has to be done. These people have to be held to account for uh, the damages uh, that are uh, just the catastrophe all the way around. And Dr. Uh, Lapido talks about the damage from, in his interview with Matt Staver, talks about the damages from the isolation that has occurred. And really, a lot of it has been due to one issue, the fear that has been instilled in our culture. Our culture is weak to have fallen for it, but uh, the fear that the coordinated fear that has been forced upon us by the public health apparatus from top down uh, is just unconscionable what they have done. And I'm so grateful for Dr. Lapido uh, speaking out, continuing to speak out against this uh, ludicrous uh, in- endeavor that they've trapped us in. But the truth is coming out. More and more people understand who is right and who is wrong. And we're just begging for a uh, repentance because that's what's going to get us out of these traps that they put us in. And as more evidence of what we're talking about here with uh, Dr. Lapido, more and more evidence comes to the fore about the damage and the dangers and the destruction caused by these shots. And in fact, there was a... Uh, a radio show here in Alabama that's in several different uh, uh, cities throughout the state. Uh, it's put on by uh, 1819 News, uh, unfiltered. Last Thursday, they brought to light uh, a study that I hadn't seen, and I'm glad they did bring it up because it was, it's uh, regarding, uh, this is from exposenews.com. Uh, it's a study from Canada. And I'll read the article from the expose to you. Uh, The latest official COVID-19 figures from the government of Canada are truly terrifying. They show that the double vaccinated population across Canada Canada have now lost on average 74% of their immune system capability and the triple vaccinated population across Canada have now lost on average 73% of their immune system capability compared to the natural immune system of of unvaccinated people. So much damage has now been done that the figures show the double vaccinated population are on average 3.8 times more likely to be infected with uh, to be infected with uh, COVID-19 and 3.3 times more likely to die of COVID-19 than the unvaccinated population. But it's even worse for the triple vaccinated population in terms of their risk of death. The official figure showed that they are on average 3.7 times more likely to be infected with COVID-19, but 5.1 times more likely to die of COVID-19 than the unvaccinated population. These figures therefore suggest that both the double and triple vaccinated population in Canada have now had so much damage caused by their, to their immune system by the COVID-19 injections that they have now developed acquired immunodeficiency. That is the uh, AIDS, if you will. And uh, on that, in the web, in, in that expose article, they say if you go to it, you can see the downloadable PDF is there for the raw data. Um, it's uh, it's just truly amazing. Uh, Page 20 onwards of the downloadable PDF contains data on COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations, and deaths from the very start of COVID-19 vaccination campaign in Canada. On the 14th of December, 
2020 all the way through February 27, Um And this goes to uh, hopefully, uh, and we need to talk about it next week maybe, but hopefully we'll have more data from what uh, Steve Kirsch is coming out with showing the horrible da- damage done from these shots to nursing home residents. Um, it's just unimaginable. It's so perverse was the word that Dr. Lapido used. Uh, but with that, um, thank you for joining us again uh, this week on America Out Loud Pulse. I'm Dr. Stuart Tankersley with Dr. Jordan Vaughn on, on iHeartRadio. This is Dell Wilbur inviting you to take a two-minute stroll through history on America Out Loud. February 19, 1945, Operation Detachment, the U.S. Marines' invasion of Iwo Jima is launched. Iwo Jima was a barren Pacific island guarded by Japanese artillery, but to American military minds, it was a prime real estate on which to build airfields to launch bombing raids against Japan only 660 miles away. The Americans began applying pressure to the Japanese defenses on the island in February 1944 when B-24 and B-25 bombers raided the island for 74 days. It was the longest pre-invasion bombardment of the war necessary because of the extent of which Japanese, 21,000 strong, had fortified the island above and below ground, including a network of caves. Underwater demolition teams, the Frogmen, were dispatched by Americans just before the actual invasion. When the Japanese fired on the Frogmen, they gave away many of their secret gun positions. The amphibious landings of Marines began the morning of February 19th as the Secretary of the Navy, James Forrestal, accompanied by journalists, surveyed the scene from a command ship offshore. As the Marines made their way onto the island, seven Japanese battalions opened fire on them. By evening, more than 550 Marines were dead and more than 1,800 were wounded. The capture of Mount Suribachi, the highest point on the island and the bastion of the Japanese defense, took four more days and many more casualties. When the American flag was finally raised on Iwo Jima, the memorable image was captured in a famous photograph that later won the Pulitzer Prize. This is Del Wilbur inviting you to join me again as we celebrate history on America Out Loud. <music>